When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Titan-Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan-Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas. Yesterday, the Tennessee Titans defeated the Seattle Seahawks at home, 33 to 27. Though the score, or though the game probably was not as close as the score indicated, Seattle has one of the best defenses in the entire league, especially up front. Uh, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Sheldon Richardson, Michael Bennett. Cliff Averill, Frank Clark, guys like that, you just don't have defenses that often with that much talent in one spot. And the Titans bullied them on offense. Last week, you know, we said they bullied the Jacksonville Jaguars. We don't know a ton about that team, although they did shock the Ravens 44-7. to uh, But uh, the Titans beat a legitimate contender yesterday, and they did it their way. Yeah, they looked fantastic yesterday. Uh, and I agree that the scoreline doesn't really represent how well the Titans played in this game uh, because they got two touchdowns nullified uh, by penalties. Um, we can, we'll discuss later uh, whether they were phantom calls or they were they were justified. But regardless of that, uh, at different points in this game, I was just thinking to myself, uh, we're just this much better than the Seahawks. We look so good on offense, even our defense until – until the second half, really, uh, they were really good in the first half, and they played like they they played in in the game against the Jaguars, where Bortles looked like uh, a non NFL quarterback, which I mean he kind of is. But um, for the second week in a row, the Titans looked really good, and uh, they scored over thirty points again against a legitimately great defense uh, that was really good uh, over the first two weeks, especially in Week One against uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers uh in lambo so uh really good signs to take away from this game yeah i mean before the seahawks started going with a real pass heavy attack where you know all they were trying to do was get chunk yardage and move down the field in a hurry and the titans were in prevent i think it was 30 to 14 and that's much more Mm -hmm. indicative of how the game went you know the the titans after the first three or four drives looked almost unstoppable, you know, like we say, except for a couple of penalties and, you know, some non penalties, like we talked about that really stalled out drives. And, uh, you know, they looked I, I was criticizing Robisky a lot for the first few drives. Cause it seemed like he had no plan of attack. And then I was eating my words by the third quarter. So, you know, if he can make me do that every week, great. I, I hate the slow start, but if he can, you know, find his keys and see what's working for him and then attack like that against a defense like the Seahawks. I, I'm I'm all for eating my words. It's so weird. I've seen people say that that the reason that we get off to such slow starts is Robisky's kind of feeling feeling everything out and setting stuff up for later. Uh I don't know if it's true, but he called a fantastic game in the second half. Uh the two touchdowns um 
what where Rashard Matthews and John Smith were essentially just completely wide open, um, respectively with time and space to just to just make a play. Um, they were really well designed. Uh, and you saw just like how physical and how dominant this team can be um, in the second half, just wearing down uh, a Seahawks defense that's known for being a stout unit, uh, both with Derrick Henry and with DeMarco Murray, who looked healthy. Yeah, DeMarco Murray certainly uh, looked healthy, and it was a bit surprising because I was in the camp of people saying that they should deactivate him and, and let Derrick Henry take over those carries. But I think DeMarco Murray proved yesterday to the Derrick Henry fan club that uh, he's here to stay and he remains one of the best backs in the NFL. Uh, It's always nice when your Pro Bowl running back comes off of an injury uh, and breaks Richard Sherman's ankles. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, The 75-yard touchdown was nice, but even before that, he was was just better than Derrick Henry, plain and simple. Um, Henry looked a little bit indecisive uh, behind our line, uh, and the Seahawks front seven is so quick that at the that uh, slow developing slow developing plays like Henry runs, uh, they were just sniffing him out, and Henry wasn't really getting much. But Murray was going downhill, uh, hitting the holes, and he just looked better in the first half. Um, but well, pretty much the whole game, really. I really wasn't expecting him to look uh, as healthy as he did. I mean, we saw last week that. Uh, uh, he didn't look. He didn't look that good. He didn't look healthy. Um, and I guess just a week of, I guess resting in the second half last week, uh, and resting a little bit of practice this week uh, got him right. And you saw just how, uh, how how good he still is, even at 29 years old. Uh, and we still haven't seen him um, be a huge part of the passing game, uh, which he showed last year to be so capable uh, in. So I'm looking forward to to him getting a couple more. Uh, catches as the season goes on. Yeah, I think we all talked about how good Derrick Henry looked and how we were eating our words from the preseason. Uh, I think there's a really clear way to use Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray. When the Mm -hmm. offensive line isn't opening holes really wide or even getting a great push, DeMarco Murray's the guy to get because he can slash and stay low and find those one, two-yard cutbacks and, and fall forward like we think Derrick Henry does, but where Derrick Henry really excels is when you give him a runway and you can get let him build up some speed and then decide where to go. That's why on those outside sweep plays, he's so effective because mm-hmm. he can make the inside linebackers bite or else he'll cut it up. And then once he gets the edge against corners and safeties, he's got the size advantage, you know. Nine times out of ten, that wasn't the case with Chancellor and Thomas this week. But most cases, it'll be the case. Or most weeks, it'll be the case. I... I don't, I don't know that we were wrong when we talked about Derrick Henry should have been the starter. I just think the Seattle front and how quick they penetrate on the backside is a bad stylistic matchup. Now, mm-hmm. next week versus the Texans, he may be the back to run. If they go a 3-4 and we can get guys on the second level and get those two, three-yard you know, clear holes before contact, he may be the guy to get because he can turn a good play into 20 yards. And he may, you know, we haven't seen him rip off a 70-yard touchdown, but we've seen him rip off several 10, 15, 20-yard runs. And that may be exactly what you want to kind of wear down a defense like the Texans. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to say that he was bad in this game. I mean, he averaged, I think, 4.2 yards a carry, uh, and he's re- just really good in that in that late game closer role that a lot of us have wanted to see him in uh, this season. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to get up on teams because our offense looks really good right now. Uh, and that that uh, closer role is perfect for Derrick Henry. Yeah. Speaking of Richard Sherman, who uh, DeMarco Murray <coughs> uh, made miss yesterday, uh, I've always had mixed opinions about Richard Sherman, both as a player and as a human being. And uh, <coughs> he, he did not – uh, show me much yesterday to make him go up on my uh, rankings of, of decent human beings, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, the offensive pass interference on Eric Decker followed by the three minutes with the helmet off, jawing with officials. And then he tried to knock Marcus Mariota's head off in a play that I believe should have resulted in an ejection if the NFL really does care about player safety. That was just dangerous, what he, the way he was playing yesterday, and it's uncalled for, and there's no place for that in the league. And I would say the same thing if it was a Titan doing that stuff. Yeah, and I, I never really had any ill will towards him uh, in the past, at least. Um, but he was, I don't know, he was just, he was acting like a hot, hothead yesterday. Uh, he was a little bit out of control, even when he was jawing at that official for like ten minutes, and no one was stopping him. Uh, they couldn't stop him, really. I don't know. He was a, a man on a mission to, to kill the referee, uh, which, I mean, I don't blame him because the referees were terrible yesterday. But we'll get into that get into that later. Uh, the late hit, I was very upset. I was cursing. I could not stop calling him names and stuff, well, but whatever. <laughs> I tried to, try to restrain myself a little bit. Uh, after I saw it, I, I didn't think it was like horrible like the worst late hit of all time uh but it was definitely late and considering it was our quarterback and considering our quarterback has uh gotten season ending injuries two years in a row uh i think we're all just very protective of him um and also because he's the nicest man of all time uh, so we don't we don't ever want to see him get injured um so yeah i it's just any anytime mariota gets gets hit in any capacity I just have a slight heart attack, and I just I see our season flash before our eyes. Um, but yeah, Richard Sherman needs to needs to get it under control. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a Richard Sherman guy. Generally, I I don't know. Th- this is what he does when he doesn't get his way, or when his team's getting bullied. It happens so rarely that you know we don't see it a lot. But when he doesn't get his way, it happened with the Falcons last year. And when his team's getting bullied, he gets real upset, and he—I tra- mean—he just get, goes into temper tra- tantrums and gets childish, and he wants to get a reaction from the other side, and he mm-hmm. wants to be—he wants to be a spark plug for his defense and get them excited and make a big play, and he wants, you know. Taylor Lewan to take a swing at. I mean, I don't think he really wants that, but he <laughs> wants him to get kicked out of the game. You know, he wants he wants to try to shift momentum to his side's favor in some way. And that's the only way he knows how to do it is to act out and hopefully, you know, be the, you know, find somebody being the second man to swing instead of the first man, you know, which is always, always who gets caught. So, uh, having said all that, that was the dirtiest hit. One of the dirtiest hits I've ever seen. I mean, he was clearly out of bounds, planted and dove at Mariota's head. I don't know how that wasn't an ejection. First off, you know, because he already had the first, it, 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 he already had the first unsportsmanlike conduct, and I don't know exactly what the rules are, but they should have found a way to eject him. I, you I know, wanna, if it's a straight, was, up I'm going to clarify that it was in play. 
because yeah, there are a lot of people who kind of have a misunderstanding of that rule. The rule is if you get two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, you get ejected. Unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct is called for taunting, uh, excessive celebrations, uh, you know, jawing with officials, coaches running onto the field, that kind of thing. Uh, the first call that Sherman got was an unsportsmanlike conduct for what he did with Decker and the official after the offensive pass interference. The hit on Marcus Mariota was not unsportsmanlike conduct. It was a personal foul, which inherently mm-hmm. can result in an, an, in, in an ejection. However, it did not, under the rule, warrant the automatic ejection. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, like, last year we saw Green Bay play the Titans, and we saw the one <laughs> get thrown out because he gently brushed an official's arm. Mm-hmm. So, Ridiculous. like, if that officiating crew was there, Sherman would have been thrown out. It's all it's all subjective. Like, the refs find ways to kind of try to control the physicality and aggression in a game. That's just what, I mean, that's what they think their job is, and maybe it is. You know, may, maybe they're... They're the tempo setters as much as anything else because, you know, they'll let you do whatever you can get away with. And some officiating crews, I have no doubt in my mind, would have kicked Sherman out after the first penalty when he took Mm -hmm. his helmet off and started yelling at an official, which is is what they called it. I mean, they said unsportsmanlike conduct, you know, added something towards an official. I forget the exact phrasing, but, you know, there was a way to kick Sherman out at that point. And at that point he had been just running wild for too long. You know, I don't know yeah. if he gets those, that ref crew a lot. I, I don't know if he's friends with them, but he was, in every, he, I mean, he was in every referee huddle. Anytime there was a call to be made, they would, they would all like two or three Seahawks would just walk over and sit in the huddle with them with no Titans in there, which should be illegal. Uh, you know, but but like I said, it's all up to the refs. If they don't enforce it or if they, you know, have biases or tendencies toward And I'm not saying they were calling the game to try to sabotage the Titans. But inherently, if you go to work and you see the same 10 guys every day, you're going to have a relationship with them. And if you like them, you're going to give them a little more leeway than you might. You know, you might. But, you know, that that's just the way it goes. There's inherent biases in anything. So, you know, all that to say the Sherman hit was totally uncalled for. Uh, it was a game-changing play and that it very easily could have gotten Titans thrown out for reacting to it. And mm-hmm. the NFL, by letting the refs call it this way, are basically saying it's okay to hit a quarterback late, and if you don't just sit there and take it, you're not going to get any benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's exactly – and they had an out and that they called two uh, – two late hits or two personal fouls, uh, two personal fouls on the Seahawks, and they could have just called one on the Titans and, you know, and let let it go for, you know, or, or they could have washed, you know, there, there were ways to kind of get the Titans the advantage they deserved there. It, it, it was a poorly called play, and it kind of allowed uh, Richard Sherman to get into his kind of rhythm. But in the end, it doesn't matter. The Titans won, so, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about someone that is quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the NFL. He's played three games. His name's Adoree Jackson. And uh, I told Matias yesterday, one of my favorite players in NFL history is Devin Hester. And the reason Devin Hester was so good, it's because he had this unreal ability to, you knew if you punted that ball into the middle of the field and you gave him a lane, 
he was going to be gone because there was something about him. You know, we, we have all these fast and quick guys that return punts, but not everyone can do it successfully. Not everybody that runs 4-3 is going to have as good success as Tyreek Hill has had. Adoree Jackson is a very unique player in the punt return game. He's getting better on defense with every snap. He blanketed everyone he covered yesterday. What a pick that ended up being for John Robinson already. Yeah, it already looks like a home run pick. Um, every time Adoree touches the ball on a return, I honestly feel that he's taking it the whole way. That's just the feeling I get. Uh, and I haven't had that feeling since uh, prime Chris Johnson um, maybe in like 09 or, or, or 2010 when, when he ran for 2,000 yards. Every time Chris Johnson touched the ball, you just had a feeling that he was going the whole way. Uh, and that's how I feel about Dory Jackson right now. Uh, and he's been pretty good at cornerback to boot. Uh, don't pay attention to a lot, of the, a lot of the grades that he's getting. He's been really good at cornerback, and he's only started three games so far. Uh, so he's going to get even better than he is right now. Um, and it really does look like that was a great pick, regardless of what we thought of it at the time. Uh, John Robinson, once again, um, looks like he knows what he's doing. I mean, I was a big Adoree skeptic. You know, coming, I thought he kind of played, I thought his back pedal was weird, his technique, you know, he kind of had a quarter turn. It is it was a really weird technique that I thought only would work in college, but I was wrong. I mean, Adoree looks great. I went back and watched every snap of him today. I mean, he was in tight coat. The like, I think he, I think you can say he was responsible for two catches plus the crossing route. You know, when when it actually mattered before they went real like prevent. And one of the catches was that insane baseball slide touchdown that uh, Russell Wilson threw. That was throw. a foot. A throw that I mean, was. it was yeah. a foot off the ground. You know, prime Deion Sanders and Darrell Rivas double teaming can't make that play. You know, it's just it, it's. I'm going to throw it one foot off the ground right in front of the pylon, and you're either going to slide and get it or nobody's going to get it. And it's just a great quarterback-wide receiver connection. I mean, that that's just nothing you can do. You know, the old adage, you know, you can't defend a perfect pass. And that was true. So I, I don't I don't fault him for that. And on the other hand, he had uh, – there was a big play. I think it was third and ten maybe where Russell Wilson throws it up the right sideline and Adoree Jackson has the wherewithal to push the receiver out of bounds in midair before he can get a foot down. Mm-hmm. And it's an yeah. incomplete pass in the C- in Seattle punts. You know, I mean, he, he – there was a point where Russell Wilson would look his way as a first read and just would initially look it off because it just wasn't there. I mean, Adoree was great. I mean, he was great as a corner. And then, you know, looking – so these are the players who have eight or more punt returns this season. Alex Erickson for Cincinnati, Quan Bray for Indianapolis, Christian McCaffrey for Carolina, Eli Rogers for Pitt, Jameson Crowder for Washington, and Adoree Jackson. All of them have eight or more punt returns. Adoree Jackson is the only one with more than 10 yards average with 13.9. Five of those – no, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Five of those players average less than six yards a return. So the volume, once you get to the volume Adoree's getting, you usually average about six yards a return. Six yards a return if you're good, and he's doubling that. And he has the longest uh, return other than – uh, Agnew from Detroit, who had an 88-yard touchdown. 
Adore has a 46 yard. I mean, he's a star as a returner, and they don't even let him return all the kicks. They put uh, Eric Weems in there for kicks that are, you know, inside the 10 because uh, Malarkey says he doesn't want him to see the pressure. And that's, you know, if that's if that's how you're arguing it, fine. You know, I would argue that occasionally you'll get kickers trying to do too much or punters trying to do too much, and you might have a chance there, uh, you know, to make a big play. But you know, that's even with him not. I remember the Broncos the doing that with Wes Welker one time because they thought he was more sure-handed than Trendon Holiday, and the first mm-hmm. time, the first and only time they did that, he muffed it. <laughs> of course. Like, and that that's, like, the thing is, if you don't have a guy in rhythm, like, it's always scary. It's like, we're going to put you out there for two returns a game. I mean, that just seems weird. But, I mean, the point is, like, Adoree Jackson is just already a star as a returner. And he gets, I mean, I think he's averaged less receptions every week since he started that preseason game against the Bears. Every week he's averaged, or he's allowed less receptions targeted to him. I mean, he, he's just great. Yeah, I talked about this last time. Um, when the Bengals played the Texans, uh, the, their, the Bengals uh, returner, Alex Erickson, had a field day on kick returns and punt oh. returns against the Texans uh, special teams unit. So Adoree Jackson is just going to eat them alive. And also, uh, in terms of him as a cornerback, uh, I think people saw the uh, the clip against John Ross where he, where he fell yeah. down and John Ross scored like a 70-yard touchdown. And everyone just automatically assumed that Adore Jackson was going to get beaten deep often during his rookie season. He hasn't gotten beaten deep once, it, it, not that I can recall at least. And all of the catches he's giving up are like at at best uh, ten yard ten yard plays that he makes a tackle after. So he's exceeded my expectations absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Wes Welker, a former receiver of the Broncos, this is a a, a unique segue. Uh, We're going to start talking about Eric Decker, another former Broncos receiver, who, uh, oddly enough, Wes Welker replaced on the Denver Broncos. Uh, Weird. No, no, no. Emmanuel Sanders replaced him. Wes Welker replaced uh, Brandon Stokely. Still weird. You're right. Um that that terrible segue aside, um, <laughs> I think that Eric Decker is proving that he was worth the signing. Uh, he had a nice game yesterday, and he is rebounding from what was a, a pretty rough start to the season. Yeah, it was definitely rough, but we had a feeling that he was going to bounce back in this game, uh, especially with Corey Davis out. He was he was needed to step up, uh, and although he did have a couple of penalties. Uh, especially the the one that wiped out the Mariota touchdown run. Uh, I thought he, I, I know that that one hurt, but I don't even know if it was really holding. To be honest, no, it was, it was not. Holding. Reg- it wasn't holding. He like he like put one hand inside, like exactly yeah. how you're taught to do it if you're a receiver. The veteran, then, the veteran hold. Yeah, the the thing that ninety percent of veteran players get allowed to do. But anyway, yeah. keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Any, anyway, I mean, he looked he looked really good as a receiver. Definitely better than the first two weeks. Uh, he beat Sherman on a couple of plays. Uh, he and he had that fantastic sideline catch uh, on the third and fifteen, which, by the way, was a a frozen rope by Mariota. Fantastic throw uh, and an even better catch. Really, that was incredible. So, wasn't that on a that was on Sherman, wasn't it? Yeah, it was on Sherman. Yeah, on third and fifteen. Um, 
I think it was to get us in the red zone. So that was a huge play. Um, but he would he played his role yesterday, uh, and he blocked well. He blocked well on the on the Demarco Murray seventy five yard touchdown. Well, everyone blocked well on that one, to be honest. Jolson Fowler was like fifty yards down the field. No, J- Jolson uh, Fowler. Let's get this straight. Jolston Fowler was the lead blocker, obviously, as a fullback. He blocked uh, cornerback Jeremy Lane on the edge mm-hmm. to spring DeMarco free. 50 yeah. yards downfield, he blocked Jeremy Lane again to get DeMarco into <laughs> the end zone. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, but uh, to finish on Decker, just, he looked a lot better, and he's grown into the offense really nicely. Uh, and once Corey Davis is back and we get that Matthews, Davis, Decker uh, threesome, and that, well, not threesome, Jesus, that was bad. But, <laughs> <laughs> and then we get uh, Taiwan Taylor just mixing in, like in a sort of Kendall Wright kind of role, um, where our offense is going to be even better than it is right now. I mean, going, going back to Eric Decker, Eric Decker was every, like, you know, we talked about the team is progressing every week, you know. He looked 80% week one, 90% week two. I mean, this looked like the Eric Decker I thought we were going to get. A veteran who comes up with four catches and moves the chains and does, you know, the little things like catching the ball at the four or five yard line, something close when we needed third and 20 after penalties and he ended up getting us right next to the uh, line to gain and we ended up kicking a field goal and putting up more points. You know, he does the little things that you don't really remember other than the Sherman catch, but that make a big difference. The things that Delaney Walker did early in his career with the Titans, you know, uh, all these veteran things that you can't really measure. And once, yeah, you know, you said it like once the younger guys get going in this offense and you can really pick and choose your matchups. I mean, this team is going to put up, I mean, I don't, I don't, want to get too excited like I was before the Oakland game and think that this team is ready to take the next step already. But golly, how, how can they, you know, how can they not be better when Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor are a big part of this offense? It, you know, explosive guys, one who, you know, had the fastest time in the NFL in week two and one who's six, four and runs like a gazelle and can jump over everybody. You know, how are those guys not going to make your team better? Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you know, I don't I don't know if we'll go back to that three wide set when Davis is healthy or stick with John U, who's our leader in touchdown receptions right now. Titans, you know, by the way, undefeated in games in which John U. Smith catches a touchdown. That's right. Ah, but, I mean, keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> throw it to him every game. But I mean, I, I just don't know what this Titans team could look like at their peak. Yeah, yeah I mean, we scored thirty three points against the Seahawks. And it should have been 47. Yes. So, I mean, that is ridiculous on every level. Yeah, agreed. So we talked a little bit about how uh, how good this offense can be once everybody is healthy, especially the young guys. And one of those young guys is Corey Davis, who Coach Malarkey said today has a shot to play this week, along with safety Jonathan Cyprian. Uh I don't know that they will necessarily play. They probably won't. Uh, but getting those guys back maybe against the Dolphins the next week would be really, really big. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the thing. Uh, it's weird about Cyprian because, uh, we, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, uh, just how good Kevin Byard has been in the box. 
Um, and if Cyprian comes back, I'm guessing Cyprian's going to play more in the box. But I don't know if that's better for our defense, to be honest, because Kevin Byard is just so good when he when he's up there, just making plays in the run game and even even on uh, intermediate routes in the middle of the field. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they reincorporate Cyprian uh, once he gets back. Uh, and for as for Corey Davis, I just want to see him fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I trust I trust the Titans' decision making uh, after Demarco uh, looked good in this in this in this game. So um, I'm sure they know what they're doing. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure, and I I like Cyprian. I think he's a good in the box safety. Kevin Byard is definitely the in the box safety the Titans need to use going forward. He's just too dynamic to take him out. I mean. He makes plays in the run game and in the passing game and does everything you want him to do. But I'm not sure I wouldn't kind of give Cyprian the Sylvester Williams treatment a little bit. Like, Curtis Riley and Denoris Searcy have looked good when they've been in. I mean, you know, you go back to week one against Oakland and Cyprian's missing tackles and, you know, unfair or not, because it was just one game and it was against a good offense that spread them out, you know, and the offensive or the uh, missed tackles just look worse. But the, the the image everybody has in their head of Cyprian is not good. You know, I, I wonder if they don't rotate him in in very specific situations and try to feel out, like, who the best, you know, starting four in the defensive back group is. Because I'm, I'm not sure it's not Denora Cersei and Kevin Byard just for right now. Uh, mm-hmm. As for Corey, I mean, as for Corey Davis, I think we all kind of agree that this offense has shown that they can live without him. So if he's not 100%, even though I want to see him against the Texans with a depleted secondary, and even though I want to see him in an AFC game against the Dolphins, if he's got to be out for five weeks, but he can come back fully healthy and there's you know very minimal risk, or risk of re-injuring uh, his hamstring, I, I would go that way because you've got guys, like we said earlier, like Decker and Jonu and Taewon Taylor and Rashard Matthews, who's been great. You know, you've got so many mouths to feed in this offense. Why not just let this guy sit on ice? That's the luxury you've afforded yourself by having a good general manager who stacked your roster. Yeah. Eric Decker is over his ankle injury, yeah, and he looks healthy. Um, I don't think Taewon Taylor is that banged up. I, I know he went out for a couple plays uh on Sunday, but uh, I, th- I think he should be go- good to go for next week. Um, and Johnny Smith is pretty much just an extra wide receiver. Um, so I-, I don't see a need to rush Corey Davis back. Um, and I know it's a huge division game in Houston, um, but I, w- I would feel confident in just the guys we have right now. Uh, and I-, I wouldn't feel the need to rush Corey Davis back just for one game like this, because we need him for, uh, for for the second half of the season when we play um, some better teams, to be completely blunt. I, I'm not, like, ever really cynical about a lot of stuff, but the way <laughs> Taewon Taylor, like, I, I'm, 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 I'm try, I try to be the optimist and see all the good, you know, but the way Taewon Taylor keeps kind of limping off the field with injuries and little, yeah. you know, nicks here and there, it makes me real nervous that he's going to do some of that Kendall Wright stuff where you're always worried about his ankles or you're always worried about, you know, something, this or that, just because he's a smaller, more dynamic receiver. I, I hope that's not the case. And I hope this is, I hope we look back at this at the end of the year and be like, I don't even remember Taewon Taylor going out for plays. 
But, but you know, like some of that now, like when you saw him on the field, like when he almost ran away from Sha- Shaq Griffin and he grabbed him and just barely got, you know, he was off to the races and that would have been mm-hmm. a 40-yard touchdown, you know, and he just barely got slowed down. When you see plays like that and he's only in for something like 20 snaps, you just wonder, like, if he's fully healthy, how good is he going to be and can he ever get fully healthy? So, you know, I, I hope that's just me being – you know, skeptical and all this, that other, but it's something I'm kind of going to be watching over the next couple of weeks. I'm just glad it's not a hamstring injury that's hampering him because that was, that was mostly Kendall Wright's problem. Yeah. Another Titan who has looked really, really good is uh, linebacker Wesley Woodyard. I said to you guys last week that I think he's played at a legitimate pro bowl level through two games. And again, yesterday, 10 tackles, uh, a lot of hurries. He's playing some of the best football of his life. And, you know, this is a guy that every single year it seems like something happens to him. You know, uh, at the beginning of last year, he was supposed to be benched for uh, for Sean Spence. And the year before that, it was supposed to be Zach Brown. And this year, he was supposed to get cut to save money. And yet every single year he prevails. And this year he's finally playing like like – I guess we wanted when we signed him back in what, 2012, 13, 14. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason I'm not in an NFL front office because when we, when we signed him to an extension this off season, I really didn't love the move. Um, I thought he was a little bit underwhelming, not a, not terrible, but not as good as maybe we thought he was when we signed him. Um, So I didn't really understand the extension, um, but they saw something that I hadn't seen before, and Wesley Woodyard <laughs> looks like one of the best linebackers in the league uh, this season. Uh, I, I have a stat for you. He has 12 uh, stops through three games, whatever that means. Uh, it's a pro football focus stat, and, which is it's halfway to a season total from from last year. So it, it, the wow. stats even back up. Yeah, the, the stats even back up what we're seeing. He is everywhere on the field, uh, especially in the run game. Uh, they are getting not, a lot of teams are not getting any push up front, and Woodyard's just cleaning things up. And he's getting free uh, on some of those schemed blitzes, um, and he's getting clean releases, and he's putting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks that way. So, I've loved what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, I mean, is it crazy to say that he's the best? I mean, keep in mind he was almost cut, you know, in all of our, all of our minds. Is it crazy to think he's the best linebacker in the AFC South? I mean, he's better than Miles Jack. He's better than Puzzlesny. He's better. Telvin Smith is the only guy who might be close to him. Mm-hmm, but yeah. in terms of impact he has on a game, uh, you know, nobody, none of the Texans guys, because I consider Merciless an, a pass rusher, like an edge player. He doesn't really play linebacker. Uh, you know, none of the Colts guys. I mean, he's probably the best linebacker in the AFC South. And, you know, he's in his third. I mean, he just looks great. So I. Between him and Delaney Walker, you know, you get guys that on paper look like they shouldn't be working and shouldn't be dynamic players on your team based on how old they are and how mm-hmm. their career arcs have gone. But, I mean, Woodyard, I, I don't know how you can justify not having him out there on the field. He's just that good. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, kudos to him and kudos to calling that because, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see him keeping this job when – 
you know, the Titans drafted Jayon Brown and going into the offseason last year. So, I mean, he's proved everybody wrong, and he's just been outstanding. Yeah, and he's making Avery Williamson look like just the guy, well, which he might be. Yeah. <laughs> so one last topic before we wrap up our recap episode. Uh, we just talked about Avery Williamson, who is someone that has uh, not played up to expectations. Conversely, someone that has really exceeded expectations is wide receiver Rashard Matthews. Uh, Will, you broke the story over during our training camp episodes that uh, he was going to be on the trade block. Um, hadn't happened yet, still waiting on it. Uh, but in all seriousness, Richard has played really, really well through three weeks. The screen pass yesterday where he got away from Cam Chancellor and those guys, he's really impressed me, and he's very clearly the number one receiving option on this team that's not named Delaney Walker. He is wide receiver one forever. Uh, and I have, I, have, I have some stats. Uh, over the last 16 games, Richard Matthews' stat line has been 69 catches, uh, 1,048 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns, uh, averaging 15.2 yards per reception. And he has a touchdown and or 70-plus yards in 13 of those 16 games. Stat courtesy of Evan Silva. Got to shout him out. Um, so... He's still our number one receiver, uh, and uh, his demise was greatly exaggerated. Uh, even though we added all those weapons, uh, he just seems to have gotten better because of it. Um, and he, he doesn't have to carry the whole receiving corp um, like he did la- la- like he had to last year. Uh, so I think we're seeing him kind of kind of freed up a little bit. Um, and even with Corey Davis out, uh, he can still carry the load, uh, as you saw as you saw this week. So he's really good. And he is one of the best, one of the best values in the league right now at the wide receiver position. Yeah. I mean, I said Richard Matthews would be on the trade block. And if he was uh, 31 other GMs in the NFL messed up because he's a really <laughs> good receiver. I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that I was wrong about all that just because so much of it made sense. But I think there's a key piece of information I was missing, but I mean, Rashard Matthews is really good. Like, it, I, I believe if Eric Decker wasn't on this team, Rashard Matthews would be the one that Marcus Mariota's going to on those third down and 15, you know, across the middle. It's still, when he, when he cannot get freaked out, but when he thinks he needs to throw the ball, he throws it towards Rashard Matthews. And he's just a really good, solid receiver, and he's finally getting the volume that he never got in Miami. I, I just, I, I don't know why they didn't keep him. I don't know why, you know, he was so cheap, but there, John Robinson again finds, you know, gold in it out of nowhere well, and I mean, the Titans prosper. Let's when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.